Good evening, everyone. If you look in your handout on page number four, bottom of page number four, footnote number 10, or if you just have the handout, let's look at number 10, and we will ask Mr. Schwartz to please read footnote number 10. He, Rabbi Yaakov, would also say, a single moment repentance and good deeds in this world is greater than all of the world to come, and a single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all of the present. Ah, so Rabbi Yaakov in Pirkei Avot and Ethics of the Fathers, of our fathers, tells us that a single moment of repentance in this world and good deeds in this world is greater than all the world to come. But then he continues, and he says, and a single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all of the present world. We have a problem. What is greater? Rabbi Yaakov is saying on the one hand that a moment of repentance and good deeds in this world is greater than the world to come. And then he continues, but he says in a single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all of the present world. Which one is better? It's a good question. The title of tonight's class was What's Greater? Gan Eden or This World? And if you look in footnote number 10, you see that this is kind of a cop-out. We're saying, oh, they're both, they're both great. Which one is greater, Yitzchak? Now, if you look in this Mishnah, Mr. Uh, Dr. Yosef, what is Rabbi Yaakov saying? How do you have this balance here? Which one, so which one is greater? <laughs> we have a question. Well, let's catch up where we're holding in Tanya, and then hopefully today we're going to have a beautiful, amazing answer. An insight into the value of our life and the value of our opportunity in this world. I have a quick question. Does the shot of the addition of this word bliss in the world to come versus just the world to come? Does that make a, a difference at all? That's going to be most of the answer. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about it since last week. Good question. If you read it close, it seems to be sort of like an if-then. The word bliss will, will give us a lot, of, a lot of the answer. But chapter 3 we discussed the tense if he wrote. Chapter 4, our current chapter, we discussed the garments of the soul, thought, speech, and action. And we concluded so far that our thought, speech, and action of Torah is God Himself. When we learn Torah, when we think Torah, when we talk Torah, we are touching Hashem Himself. Hashem has put Himself in the Torah. And now we come to our question. So what does it mean? Which one is greater, this world or the world to come? Rashi shares with us on the Mishnah, he says, it's a simple answer. The only way to come to the world to come, how are you going to get that bliss in the world to come? Is only if in this world you have a moment of repentance and good deeds. So Rashi says, let's read it very simple. A single moment of repentance and good deeds 
in this world is greater than all of the world to come. Because without it, you have no world to come. But once you have that moment of repentance and good deeds, so then the mission continues. And a single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all of the present world. It's a technicality. You can't come to the bliss of the world to come without achievement in this world. That's what Rashi says. But Hasidus is now going to tell us much, much deeper. Hasidus is going to say, no. If you want to have a fun time, go to the world to come. You want to have bliss, go to the world to come. But if you want to know where it is, it's in this world. In this world is where it all is. Why is that? Because Hashem is not found in His essence in the world to come. It's not possible for Him to be in His essence in the world to come. Because in the world to come, they enjoy, so to say, Hashem. You can't enjoy the essence of Hashem. In the world to come, in Gan Eden, and I want to be clear when I say the world to come, I am exclusively saying Gan Eden, where the soul goes after it passes on, to the exclusion of Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, we'll actually be in this world, in our body, and we'll have the essence of God. When we're talking now, the quote of Rabbi Yaakov regarding the world to come is a, is a quote about the souls passing on before Mashiach in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, where, they, where they're enjoying God, they're not enjoying His essence. They're enjoying Ziv HaShechina, a ray of the Shechina. We'll see momentarily. Ziv means a ray. A ray. They're enjoying a ray of the Shechina. In this world, when we do a mitzvah, we may not be enjoying the essence of Hashem. We don't feel it. But we're connecting to the essence of Hashem. So like Mr. Schwartz said, yes, the answer is in the word bliss. If you want bliss, it's not in this world. But if you want to connect to God in His essence, you want to accomplish what your life mission is, that's only here. So in other words, if you could look past just having a good time and you could look towards what your ultimate accomplishment is, what your ultimate goal is, that's here. If you just want to have a good time, yeah, you may not, you may not find that here. Why, why is Hashem's essence not found in the world to come? It's impossible for us to connect with the essence of God. Unless through Torah and mitzvot. And the world to come, there's no Torah and mitzvot. <coughs> that is why we're all familiar if someone has passed on. The only people that could help that soul are the children of the departed. That's why it's such a big deal to say Kaddish. When the child says those words of Kaddish, they have the ability to elevate the parent. That's why it's a custom to give tzedakah for the souls of the departed, because that is the only way for the soul to be elevated. Once they're in Gan Eden, they're stuck. You know, that's where they are. There's no more Torah and mitzvahs to do. Let's see that inside. Very, very powerful. And at the end of today's class, we're actually going to have a beautiful picture regarding our perspective of this world, regarding why we do what we do. Let's see that. We're on page... Okay, please. God Eden is supposed to be paradise. Okay, so there's levels of paradise, levels of God Eden, and we're praying for that. Is that what you're saying? There are certainly levels of Ganeden. 
there are certain levels of paradise. But paradise will never come close. The enjoyment that we'll have will never come close to what we could do in this world. And how we could connect Hashem in this world. Let me say it in other words, like the way like Shneir Zalman is going to say momentarily. You have a choice. Do you want to stare at the nail of Hashem's finger? Or would you like to hug Hashem's body? But you're going to hug Hashem's body wearing seven garments. So it's not the closest hug. Make your choice. In Gan Eden, they're looking at Hashem. But they're looking at a ray of Hashem. In this world, in this world, we are hugging Hashem. We're going to soon quote Pesukim. We are literally, we're, we're one with Hashem. But Hashem doesn't have garments. Is there a difference if you hug someone wearing seven garments or wearing one garment? There's no difference. You're hugging the person. You're hugging their essence. Page number four in our handout, in, in our copies of the Tanya, if you have the Tanya itself, page 19, line number four, hence it has been said, if you have the place, please raise your hand, so I know you're with me. Beautiful. Hence it has been said, Better is one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world than the whole life of the world to come. The whole life of the world to come is nothing compared to one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world. Now, how could that be? What does that mean? How? Gan Eden. We, we all want to go to Gan Eden. We all want to go to paradise and enjoy. How could we say an hour in this world is better? For the world to come is that state where one enjoys the ray of the Divine Presence, which is the pleasure of comprehension. That means in the world to come in Gan Eden, they comprehend God. They, they understand. Yet, no created being, even celestial, can comprehend more than some reflection of the Divine Light. That means if you want to understand God, know that you're understanding the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> More than that, you can't understand. So, okay, in Gan Eden they're understanding God, but they're only, they're only touching barely the tip. That is why the reference is to Ziv Hashchina, a ray of the Divine Presence. In Gan Eden they only have a ray of the Divine Presence. Let me share with you for a moment quote number 11 in your handout. Let's see the words of the Talmud that talk about this ray that they have in the Garden of Eden in Gan Eden. Number 11 a favorite saying of Rav was. Rav the first generation of the Talmud a direct disciple of Rabbi Huda Hanasi, Judah the Prince, the author or the compiler of the Mishnah, one of his favorite sayings was, the future world is not like this world. In the future world there is nor, no eating, nor drinking, no children, business, no jealousy, no hatred, no competition, 
What is in the, what is in the future world? The righteous sit with crowns on their heads, feasting on the ray of the Divine Presence. As it says, and they beheld God, and did eat and drink. I thought there was no eating. Fair enough. I was waiting for that yeah, question. And, and the other question is that the, the last thing is a quote from the Torah where, where it's talking about uh, uh, Moses and the elders, I think. Mm-hmm. And, they, um, and, and some of them were, were actually criticized. They literally ate and drank. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some criticism for them for doing that. Fantastic question. Great question. You're asking, how does this passage teach us the previous lesson? I'm going to choose now not to answer, not to divert. But it's a, it's a good question. But what the Talmud is clearly sharing with us is that in the world to come, what do you do? You enjoy the ray of God. And what does ray mean? Ray means comprehension of God. Comprehension of God is not possible unless we're talking about the lowest level. That is paradise. If the divine soul returns in the form of another uh, person, the divine soul is placed there, then the status of a person in non-even is not permanent. Fair enough. I, I, I propose that. Now I want you to say, Aiken, um, you're permission or no, comment? David is making a fair observation that yes, souls could come back down. In a or Gilgal. For otherwise. Well, that's a fair observation, correct. But David, at the end of Gilgal, eventually you're there forever. After at, the Moshiach. As we discussed in previous classes, the Arizal says that you must fulfill all 613 mitzvot. And if you don't, you're going to come back to this world in another body, in another Gilgal. So that's a fair observation. So, so now we've discussed what paradise is. But what is this world? And let's continue back in the Tanya. But as for the essence of the Holy One, the essence of God, blessed be He, no thought can apprehend Him at all. It's impossible to apprehend, to understand the essence of God. Except when it apprehends and is closed in the Torah and its mitzvot. Anochi, we learned in the previous weeks that Anochi means I have placed my soul, God said, inside of the Torah. I have placed my essence in the Torah. You'll never touch my essence. It's, you can't. The physical human being should, should understand, should comprehend, should grasp the essence of God. Impossible. Except in the Torah and Mitzvot, because God put His essence in there. Like water, we discussed in previous weeks, like water, where water flows down, God has put His essence in the Torah and Mitzvot. Only then does it truly apprehend and is closed in, the Holy One, blessed be He, inasmuch as the Torah and the Holy One, blessed be He, are one and the same. Hashem has put Himself inside of the Torah. And when we understand Torah, when someone goes ahead and understands that Bereshis bara Elohim Eis HaShemayim said in the beginning of creation, God created the heaven and earth. 
They are grasping and touching the essence of God, something that the angels, something that the souls in paradise <coughs> wish they could do. When a Jew goes ahead and he goes ahead and he puts five cents in the pushka in the, in the tzedakah box, he is making everyone jealous. You know, there's a custom, there's a halacha. When a person walks inside of a cemetery, he should hide his tzitzis. Hide your tzitzis. Why? Because you don't want the buried people interred there to be jealous of you. And there are numerous halachis along these lines. We don't want the people buried to be jealous of what we could accomplish. We could touch the essence of God. You have a question? It's fascinating. It's not mine. <laughs> Thank you. You know, one of the there's two schools of thought. One of them is to talk about reward. And this is a current psychology. I know Mr. Schwartz, he works with me in school, so now he's gonna quote me. I'll make it in trouble now, but nonetheless I'll say it anyway. Today, everyone says we have to reward the children. Give them encouragement. And some other people, it used to be also there was another method. Maybe you warn them. Maybe you do more than warning them, etc. if they don't listen. The Hasidic movement came along and it said, Neither. We don't warn, we don't scare, and we don't do for the reward. We do it because that's what Hashem said, period. Hashem will reward us. But that's not what we do. We don't go over to someone and say, if you're going to go come to Yeshiva now and learn Torah with a Geshmak, then Hashem is going to give you in Gan Eden the best possible time ever. That's not our language. Why not? So there's two reasons. There's a basic reason, and then there's a much deeper reason. Let's look at the basic reason. We always have to start with the basics, right? Footnote number 12, read by my good friend Yitzchak, please. Let's turn right over here. If you could read number 12. A person should not say, I will fulfill the mitzvah of the Torah and occupy myself in its wisdom in order to receive all the blessings which are contained within it, or in order to merit the life of the world to come. Uh, it is not. It is not fitting to serve God in this manner. A person whose service is motivated by these factors is considered one who serves out of fear. He is not on the level of prophets or the wise. So, first of all, the Rambam tells us that if, if you're a wise man, you don't serve God for the reward. In Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, we say, Don't be a servant who serves his master to get the reward. Let's not do that. There you go. I was waiting for someone to say that. That's a great song. There you go. 
And it's, so it's, he's quoting a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, don't serve God for the rewards. Is that true with, the, with even with a person? You, the highest form of love is you just want to do something for somebody without seeking any kind of reward. Or Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's also reflected in the Jewish conception of charity. The best charity is you don't know where it goes, and the guy who gets it doesn't know you got it. You gave it to him. That's you true. do it strictly out of altruism, which is why so few people give How the charity. The form of charity was to so the first reason that we serve that in Hasidus we don't focus on reward is because that's what the Ram, that's what the Mishnah says, that's what the Rambam tells us. But there's a much deeper reason. And that is that the reward is lower than the accomplishment itself. Gan Eden is not as great as what I accomplish when I do the mitzvah itself. In Pirkei Avot, I should have quoted it on this handout for the future. It says, Sechar mitzvah mitzvah. The reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah. What does that mean? It means the reward of a mitzvah is that you've connected with Hashem. So why would you want Gan Eden if you have something much greater? You know, some people, they're waiting to go to Gan Eden. What? You want to go to second class. Here is first class. And that's what the mission is saying. So now, let's go back to footnote number 10. He, and we'll look inside and it's going to be crystal clear. Rabbi Yaakov said, would, would also say, a single moment of repentance and good deeds in this world is greater than all of the world to come. Fact. Doing Torah and mitzvot, teshuva masim tovim, in this world, is greater than the whole world to come. But when we talk about bliss, a single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all of the present world because in this world we don't see that bliss. So now the mission is very clear. The bliss is not in this world so much so that unfortunately, and we'll talk more about it in chapter 5, Unfortunately, we have numerous expressions where we say in this world the wicked are the ones who succeed most. And we'll talk about that. But that doesn't mean that this is not the place to be. This is the place to be. <coughs> but the Alter Rebbe makes an extremely important point. You don't get there if you don't take care of here. <coughs> and if you don't take care of here, forget about getting to there. Right, and that's what, that was Rashi's simple explanation. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. If I, I hate to say it, but if I were writing this, okay. uh, I would say a single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all the bliss of the present world. And that, that would make it clear. Now, you just added a word. Yeah. But the Mishnah has a tactic. It says, let me write as little as possible. So why should I add that word? If we uh, the extra word bliss, if we could figure it out on our own, that's the Mishnah's theory. Anything that we could figure out on our own, let's not write. And if we write it, then there's a reason for writing it. You're familiar with the Gemara. You go, you, you learn a lot of Gemara. So you, uh, what? <laughs> no. So you're familiar with with what I'm sharing? Yeah. That the Mishnah is, is exact. And if there's no need to write, let's not write it. 
you, you could disagree. I, I certainly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but uh, I mean, you said you could figure it out on your own. Well, I mean, I you know, with your explanation, yeah, I figured it out. Yeah, yeah. On my own, I couldn't figure it out. Oh, I couldn't figure it out on my own either. But the authors of the Gemara, they could figure it out on their own, and that was their task. That's why we have the Gemara. Just quickly, the Mishnah, for its time, was clear. Right after the passing of the authors of the Mishnah, the Mishnah became cryptic, and the Gemara had to translate, etc. And that's how history has gone on and on, till today. But if you look at it closely, if you, if you read it like a, like a syllogism, So, yes, we've discussed how this world is greater than the world to come. Fair enough. But, at the end of the day, we don't feel anything. At the end of the day, what, what we're learning now is hard to connect with. I, I understand that perhaps I'm touching Hashem's essence, but uh, is it real? What, what, what do you mean? It's 100% real. And the proof? What does it mean when you look at a tzaddik and you see that tzaddik becoming emotional? What does it mean when you see a tzaddik connecting with God? That means that God is here and He's removed the layers of klipa, the shell, around <coughs> surrounding God. But God is here. The fact that we don't feel it is because of this klipa, these peels covering over. But that doesn't for a second take away from the truth that Hashem is here. And that is what we're going to learn now, that the Torah is concealed. And like I mentioned to you before, that example, that yes, Hashem has many garments on Him, but He's still there. And we know He's there by being able to observe a tzaddik and being able to observe people that were able to connect directly with Hashem. Let's see that, it, see that inside and then we'll take questions. For although the Torah back in the Tanya, for although the Torah has been closed in lower material things, like we discussed, the Torah discusses people that lie. What do you do? The Torah discusses people that hurt each other. The Torah discusses murderers. The Torah is very low. That's God, God's essence. The Torah even shares stories of tragic sins that were performed. We learn about the era of Noah, that history of time. It was a horrific time, what was going on then. The Torah shares with us very seemingly very tragic stories and yet we're saying in those stories is God's essence. How does that work? It is by way of illustration like embracing the king back in the Tanya. There is no difference in regard to the degree of closeness and attachment to the king. Whether while embracing the king the latter is then wearing one robe or several robes so long as the royal person is in them. Yes, yes, Hashem is covered over. And that's our job, to try and remove that. But Hashem is there. We know He's there. We're so lucky to be able to connect with Him. 
And we know Hashem is listening to us. Hashem is watching over every single detail of our life. We're touching the essence of Hashem. How lucky we are. Likewise, when the king, for his part, embraces one with his arm, even though it is dressed in his robes, nonetheless, the essence of God is inside of that robe, as it is written, and his right hand embraces me. Let's stop here for a moment. So we've said that when we learn Torah, we embrace Hashem. Sorry, we connect to Hashem. That's what we said earlier. While embracing the king, we embrace the king. And then we continue, and the king embraces us. It's a two-way street. First, we embrace Hashem, and Hashem embraces us. Does anyone know why we're saying both of these steps? Hashem embraces us and we embrace Hashem? What are the same? Well, they're not, they're not exactly the same. They are different. And, and that's, you could embrace someone and they could rem keep their hands removed from you. So it is important, it is nice to know these two details that we embrace Hashem and Hashem embraces us back. But actually, this is a continuation to earlier in the Tanya. But we finished two weeks ago. If you turn back to, to if you have the, page, the, the copies of the Tanya, it's on page 3. If you're looking in the Tanya itself, it's right at the bottom of page 16. Earlier in Tanya, do you see where it says, thus, beginning of a paragraph, thus? Thus, since the Torah and its commandments close all ten faculties of the soul, so we say the soul is truly bound up in the bundle of life with God. Okay, that means we connect with Hashem. And then the Tanya continued, and the very light of God envelops and closes it. That means... When we learn Torah, we have this two-way street. We connect with Hashem and Hashem connects back with us. So now when we're giving back the example of this hug, we're saying, yes, it's a two-way street. Hashem is, we're hugging Hashem and Hashem is hugging us. Is that, and that's better than experiencing the, 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 the ray? Because that's only a one-way relationship. Is that true? No, number one, it's only one way, one way. But most important is that you're not connecting to Hashem. You haven't connected to Hashem. You're, you're able you, to comprehend a fraction of Hashem. But not His essence. You're not, you're, even that fraction is not Hashem's essence. You, you've, you've understood a fraction of a side detail of God. Only in this world do we connect with the essence of Hashem. And that connection is we connect to Hashem and then Hashem embraces us back. And who cares how many layers Hashem has on Him? You ever gave someone a hug and told them, you know, you, 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 you take off your sweater. It's too much. I'm just kidding. What are you wearing? Too, it's too crazy. I want to, you, you've ever done that before? It's, you have? No, you, we don't do that. Do we, we, we say, you can wear as much as you want. But, so who cares? How many garments Hashem is wearing? We're touching the essence of Hashem. Now we said Hashem hugs us back. How do we know that? So we quote now a pasuk in the Torah. We say, And his right hand embraces me. Where is this a quote from? The Yeminoi Tichabkeni. 
This is a quote from Shir Hashirim Song of Songs 8.3. So Hashem's right hand embraces me. What is Hashem's right hand? As Hashem, which refers to the Torah. Hashem's right hand is the Torah which was given by God's right hand. What is the right hand in particular? We said it's Torah. But what does the right represent? You know, you know, I just I'm going to show you something on my coat jacket. It's something that I've gone to tailors here in Portland and they got very mad at me. <laughs> it's a very simple thing. It is called an inside button. Why do I have this button over here? Because when I close my coat, I put my right on top of my left. And I know that generally men do it the men do it left on top of right, women on top of right on top of left. Unless they're cousins. <laughs> and that's why the tailor got very mad at me. She wouldn't she actually there was one tailor who would not put this inside button. <laughs> Nonetheless I do it. Why? Because Kabbalah says the right is always on top of the left. The right let's go back. Does anyone have a copy of the tense if he wrote I gave it a while back? Yes, thank you. The right is chesed. Kindness. The left is gevur severity. Kindness always is going to win. We always have to make sure that the kindness is always on top. And so when we say the right hand of Hashem, what is the right hand? The right hand is chesed, kindness. And that is also water. Remember, water is kind. It goes from high to low. The same thing. The essence comes from, from the top to the bottom. Well, the dress coat worn on Shabbos also buttons on the there. kapata. Yes, goes right to left. You should know this. Even if you go, if you go to uh, some really from stores in Borough Park, I have some of them. They even have the buttons of the shirt. They've even changed. Throw all the right over left. Because we, we always want kindness to be on top. So let's make a summary of what we've discussed so far. You know, women's shirts close that way. Correct. Let's just make sure you know it's a woman's shirt versus a man's shirt. <laughs> just as a note, the lining doesn't have any sharpness. <laughs> so let's make a summary here. We've, we've started off asking how do we have this contradiction? In the Mishnah, what is greater, this world or the world to come? We said it's simple. In this world, we have the essence of God and the world to come. They have bliss, but it's only a ray of God. And we, therefore, we continue to say that who cares if we're embracing God with many garments? Yes, in this world, there's many... Oh, there you go, Mendel. I like that. Mendel's, Mendel's working hard. So, <laughs> Turn your shirt inside out. <laughs> Therefore, in this world, who cares how many garments Hashem is wearing? He, of course, yes, Hashem is covered with klipa, she, with, with shells, with many garments, but we're connecting with the essence of Hashem. And we said, not only do we connect with the essence of Hashem, but Hashem embraces us back. And we quoted a passage from Song of Songs from Shir Hashirim, which says that clearly that the right hand embraces us, because kindness the Torah, water, they're all synonymous. They all refer to the right hand that is embracing us. Let me share one more thing, and then we'll take questions. We've now concluded chapter 4. 
That's why I brought snacks. Mazel tov. Thank you, everyone. Please enjoy <laughs> Melissa's uh, fruit and nut challenge. I, I knew we were doing And uh, yes, Mazel tov and for finishing chapter four. But chapter four told us that thought, speech, and action. In other words, the, the practical application of Torah is most important. That's how we connect with Hashem. Love and fear, our soul, that's lower than thought, speech, and action of the Torah. That was chapter 4. The garments of the soul, of the godly soul, are greater than the soul itself. So now we have a problem. Why do we focus so much on understanding, why do we focus so much on loving God on fearing God, they're second class. Right now what I need to do is, I need to give another dollar to Tzedakah. I need to go ahead and light the Shabbos comes. I need to do something. But to love God and fear God, connecting with my soul, that's second class. Why is that important? Seemingly, that's where we end off, with the end of chapter 4. But without the love and fear, we're not allowing Hashem into us. Yes. You, love and fear of God is not as great as doing an actual mitzvah. But if you want to allow Hashem in, then you have to create that love and fear. Like we discussed, love means to want to do something for Hashem. Love means to want to connect. If you don't have that, you're not going to be able to connect with Hashem. If you want to embrace Hashem, then you have to have that love and fear. And with this, we'll learn two more insights about Hasidim. The first insight was why we don't talk you'll, you'll barely hear talk of the world to come from Hasidim and we discussed because this world is greater and we're going to discuss two more things. Number two why are Hasidim always happy? Or at least they should always be happy. Because they don't understand. Naive. Okay, that's a Something kidding, most kidding. people think. <laughs> the reason we always need to be happy wow. is because if we're not happy, we won't allow Hashem inside of us. If we're not going to love Hashem, so we're losing that connection. Do you know a prophet? If he was a Navi, if he was not happy, he couldn't have prophecy. The prophets, they used to play music to put themselves in a mood, hope, hoping to get prophecy. So if you're in a bad mood, how could you connect with Hashem? That's number, one. that's number one. And number two is, why do we talk about so much about loving and fearing God? And that is, again, for the same reason. If you're not going to love and fear God, you won't be able to connect with feeling Hashem. So again, we have to, of course, the main thing is to do. Like the Mishnah says, the main thing is to do, but we need to have love and fear God. We need to work on that because without that, we won't be able to bring Hashem into our life. Are there any questions? Well, I think there's a time to fear and a time to be sad and a time to love and it's in Kaleidiastes, which is part of the Torah. Thank you. So, yes, we have a good quote which says that there's a time. Time for everything. I have a problem with that quote. The Pasuk says, 
You always have to serve Hashem out of happiness. Similarly, to the Rashi that says, if you're not happy, like I told you before about the prophets, you can't allow Hashem into your life. So, let me share this with you on a much greater level. You know, when Av comes, Mishanichnas Adar, what's the continuation? Marabim Besimcha. When Adar comes, the month we're now, we have to increase in Simcha. But that same Mishnah says, Mishanichnas Av, when the month of Av comes, Mimatin Besimcha, we decrease in joy. Now that's a problem. What does that mean? In, in, in Av, you're supposed to be sad? On Tisha B'Av, we're just supposed to be broken people crying? Is that what Tisha B'Av is about? Hashem just wants us to be, to lose ourselves? Hasidus tells us, we could read that Mishnah in an incredible way. Mishanichnas Av, when Av comes, Mimatin, we decrease. We take away negativity, and you know how? Besimcha with happiness. If you want to remove all negativity, there's only one way. That's through being happy. So, there is a time to be sad. But never can the sadness overpower the happiness. This is a fact. Never can the sadness... Happiness should, should, can certainly remove all sadness. But yes, there are times to be sad, but never can that sadness remove and take away our happiness. So in awe of you... You're supposed to decrease your happiness, but not decrease it so much that it's less than, that you're sadder than you are. A hundred percent. Does anyone remember the initial quote of the Tanya? What was the first uh, question Tanya asked? Anyone? <laughs> Tanya said, the Gemara tells us we should look at ourselves as a Russia, a wicked person. So ask the Tanya, if you look at yourself as a wicked person, in other words, if you're going to become depressed and sad, so one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to think this is impossible, I can't do it. Or what does Atanya say? That if you're sad, you're not going to fulfill the mitzvah of serving Hashem with happiness. Or the opposite, you're just going to go crazy. You're just going to like forget about everything. So correct, Gershon. We certainly cannot really let sadness take over our lives. <clears throat> what about the prophet, the prophet the Jeremiah? Because, I mean, it, if there's any happiness in that, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh, that's almost all sad. So. Yermia. Yeah. Jeremiah is very sad. Yeah. He had a tough life. And uh, he actually asked Hashem, why, why are you making me this messenger? Correct. But nonetheless, Yirmiya doesn't say that we have to be depressed and allow the sadness to take over our lives. Yirmiya is telling us that listen to Hashem. Get back on track. Tragic things are going to happen if not. But Yirmiya does not tell us to break down and just lose all happiness, lose all hope. Rabbi, the person told me that Yerimea is not Jewish. Is that so? 
Yermia was completely Jewish. Or there was something in there that wasn't, like there was something There is a discussion about, about Job, about Eiv, in the Gemara. There's numerous opinions. Some people say he never lived. He's just, some people say it's just an analogy. Some people say he wasn't Jewish. There's a question about Eiv, yes. Any other questions?